Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm your host, John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is the, the man. Oh, okay. oh I man, was I, I did introduction. I, I was going to be like, I didn't... man who needs no introduction. I didn't know you were going like to that. herald me. I, I, thought I, we was, just... I think from now on, I'm going to herald you every episode. <sighs> Can you get a trumpet, too? <laughs> I will try. <laughs> I, have, I, have a, I have a train whistle, a child's train whistle around here somewhere. <laughs> Would that work? Um, as long as the train whistle itself is shaped like Thomas the Tank Engine, and you blow on Thomas the Tank Engine's face in order to make it work. <laughs> no, but that would be awesome. It's a. It, I have a slide whistle. As that well is a free product for you, makers of Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, you you keep that in mind. Yes. You'll oh. see that next year. I'm, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure that the one person listening to this is the person who makes <laughs> works, executive works at decisions Mattel. at Mattel. So this week we are talking about Henry V, uh, the, uh, what year was it, 1944 uh, edition. This is Laurence Olivier's directorial debut. Um, you know, I want, oh, sorry, go ahead, sorry. I, I, what I was going to say is, you know what I think they should do with the Criterion Collection from now on? What? Anytime there's a movie that has been remade more than one time, just it, put, ab- they should just include every single version back to back. Oh, that would make people watching them like we're watching them want to kill themselves. Um, yeah, but does anybody watch them the way we are watching them? No, no, absolutely only the, not. Only the because eight this, people listening to this podcast. This is a terrible decision on how to watch them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. By the way, I found another podcast that does what we're doing, but they don't do it in order. They just jump around to whichever ones sound good. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of people who do that. A lot of podcasts and a lot of uh, a lot of. Uh, Blog fools, don't they know that it's meant to be listened to or meant to be watched? In <laughs> no, chrono- it's, it's, or... it's, this isn't even chronological. This is release order, chronological order of DVD, order. DVD release. No, uh, that most of most of those other groups have the names that I thought of first before settling on mm-hmm. Lost in Criteria. But let's not mention any of them because um, that would be a free plug. Well, let's let's just say that every every possible iteration of a pun on the word collection has been taken, or possibly an alliteration, <laughs> or an alliteration. Yes, that's that's what I found was an alliteration. Yes. yes. Anyway, Henry the enough of that. Yes, this is uh, this is. Lawrence Olivier's direct, uh, film directorial debut, though he didn't actually want to do it, I found out. Um, he tried to get a whole bunch of other people doing it, uh, including Carol Reed. Um, I can't think of anybody else I was going to... I was going to list some and sound really smart. And, and then, then you and just then failed. Just yeah. um, <laughs> it happens. It happens all the time. Um, but uh, ultimately, no one was available or no one wanted to do it uh, because this is actually the first filmed Shakespeare to make money. Um... They don't. Do they now make money, or is this is it an always? This is not a clear statement I just made. I don't. Is it know. always a problem for Shakespeare film adaptations that they don't make money? I feel or is it something up until this film was a problem. It was something up until this film. I feel like probably the Baz Luhrmann, uh, Romeo and Juliet made money just because it had Leonardo DiCaprio in it in the nineties. Um, was that was that the one with guns in it? Yeah, that was the one with guns. Well, that's uh, all you really need. Yeah, yeah, just is guns. guns. Guns, guns solve all your problems. 
That's what yeah. we're, that's what we're in, talking about in America. In this all week. situations. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't research the. Uh, oh yeah, I didn't expect you to. We'll let our audience of yeah. four. Yes. Take care of that. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm looking keep, at you. We're keeping making up numbers, but hopefully it's larger than that, but we have no delusions. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, I but I understand why they don't make money. Yeah. Have you ever, anybody who has ever sat down and watched Shakespeare knows something that is basically my, my thought on Shakespeare, which is Shakespeare is one of those things that is great in theory and absolutely atrocious in practice. Yeah. Like, I can't watch it. Like, I like... In fact, when I've read Shakespeare, in, a, in kind of an alliterated or uh, illustrated form, you know, where they, they kind of tell you what's going on on stage and things like that, I usually find it quite interesting, especially when somebody's explaining the jokes and stuff. But yeah. as soon as I sit down to watch Shakespeare, I it was a life-and-death struggle for me to just get through this film. Well, that's one thing about this movie. One thing about this movie is that Laurence Olivier knows that. And he tries somewhat to combat that, at the beginning, especially. Uh, well, he, he makes it he, seem like a play. Yeah, and... yeah. The whole thing establishes as if this is a production of, uh, of Henry V at the Globe in 1600. And because we have that, we have the groundlings reacting, and the first half hour of this movie is like it's filmed before a live studio audience. Uh-huh. Right, and you know what I kept expecting to happen is I I kept expecting uh, Bob Hope and uh, <laughs> uh, who's the other guy from Road to Crosby? Insert is Name? It? Yeah, uh, now I gotta go look it up. But yeah, I kept expecting them to come out and be like the main actors. Like, is this a comedy? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it worked. It like, because honestly, that's the way you sell me on Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's how it worked, and it worked well for them because. Um, you know, and it's an accurate representation. The the audience was into it that much, um, and right? We're just and, not and into it. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, it you get the impression that really everything I've come to understand about Shakespeare is it's meant to be a very audience, sort of almost audience participatory experience. Yeah, you know, like you're supposed to boo when the bad guy comes out. Yeah, they're supposed to and and. As soon as you start treating what are essentially a bunch of dick and fart jokes as highbrow, yeah, is where the whole thing breaks we've, down. We've uh, we've we've deified Shakespeare, plays. right? And that's and that's why it falls apart. If you just present it, yeah, with let's you know and treat it like it's something, yeah, something more than just dick and fart jokes, then it, it kind of falls apart and like. And that's what it happens to it in the film, though. Yeah. Is the problem and, is and it's, we start off we doing start off what like would that. actually make yeah. it interesting for me, and then they slowly morph. Yeah. And and even like the the first morph is even interesting in its in its own separate way when they start using what are clearly sets, but they're all sets based on like like they look like they're painted like tapestries. So all everything everything's really elongated and. The, the stage It's pieces. Bing Crosby, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Bob Hope, Bing Crosby. I said it was Bing Crosby. I thought so, but I was not sure. Okay. Well, I'm glad you looked Sorry. it up. And then yeah, me too. Me. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. People need to know. Inquiring yeah. minds need to know. Yeah. So anyway, the rest of the set pieces in like the second section are, are painted. Which you know, I like, find a little bit more acceptable but yeah. because you took out the audience interaction and the mistakes, which were kind of the 
Yes. Part of the funny part yes. of it? Yeah. The, guy, you take those the out, guy dropping already the papers. Starts, the guy yeah, dropping was, the papers in the first section was hilarious. And the little, yes. the the backstage stuff that they added for no reason was fun. It was silly, right. but and it was if, fun. And if it continued like that, I yeah. probably could have found the movie quite watchable. Yeah. When we got into the obviously... Yeah, when we got like into backdrop. the live, the live staging on in, it the, got, it was in still, the Irish countryside yeah. of of the war in France, it got yeah. it lost me. It really did. Yeah. Once, oh and, yeah. And maybe it's just my disinterest in uh, in war movies, but well, it's there's all kinds of things wrong with it because yeah. I feel like it suffers from like again, I've never oh, not again, but as anyone could guess, never read Henry V. Okay. Yeah. No idea. But I'm guessing, based on what I do know of Shakespeare, that he, the actual regular play probably spends no time on it. But of the of the actual battle, yeah, oh, no. and it's it's a good chunk it, of the battle. Um, it but, does. I see. Yeah. I don't know because like usually he kind of like oh war's boring. I'm skipping it. He does usually, but at the same time, uh, it's it's a defining moment of Henry V. Uh, of the yeah. Of the so King, I so. don't. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't know. There's so. a good amount in that, though. It is interesting to note that um, over 1,500 lines, which is about half the play, um, excuse me, were cut from the play to this production. Um, How long is the play? Oh. the Plays ridiculously long. It's, it's. Uh, what did Shakespeare do it in? Shakespeare's Shakespeare do it in installments. Shakespeare's histories were dramas. They were they were solid pieces. They were long, and they were grueling. I think is the word you're looking for. <laughs> they weren't always grueling. You know that's that's why you have these sorts of things. The one thing the one thing about the play compared to this that it suffers, but it suffers for a reason. Um. This movie was actually made at the behest of the government. Yeah, um, I saw that. Churchill uh, and the guy, the guy, what? the producer used to work. He had wanted to do a Henry V since 1937 when he was working for the BBC, but he never got it off the ground. Um, so when he found himself as a minister under Churchill, uh, he, he pushed for it um, and, and got this made. And it was made as a sort of, hey, we're British this is how awesome we are. Yeah, it's supposed to be a morale um, booster, right? Yeah. But the issue yeah. I have with it is, and I understand why it would be a morale booster. Yeah. But, man, I would have spiced it up a little bit. Well, that's that's the thing. You know, Shakespeare, and a lot of his histories do suffer because he, he edits um, and he censors because the people he's producing his history plays for, the people actually financing them, rather, are the descendants of the people he's talking about, more or less? Right. Um, I mean, that's why. That's why, for instance, the the British, the British kings get a, uh, the British royalty gets a uh, sort of upper <laughs> upper step uh, in like Macbeth. <laughs> yeah. See, I was they're, wondering. They're I was watching it, and I was like, man, that's yeah, that doesn't seem very accurate. <laughs> but in Henry V, in Henry V, he plays some of Henry V's more notorious parts. Henry V was right. a very bloodthirsty guy. And in the play, in the actual play, that gets stage time. You know, we're, we're but it not... it doesn't get it in the movie. But it doesn't get it in this movie. It doesn't get it in this movie because anything negative about Henry V gets... gets uh, right, because that's in this movie. considered... So that's taken as something negative yeah. about... Yeah, because... The British. The king is Britain, and, and so... 
we're we're trying. And you know, this was produced around the same time. I think it was. It might have been released just before, or just after D Day. So it was really. It was a time. Was I a thought time. it said it, they. I think they said in the Wikipedia that it like almost coincided with D Day. Yeah, that they were practically the same. Like it was meant to be shown after the invasion. Yeah, like as they're marching through <laughs> France. Maybe, maybe I don't know. <clears throat> but but yeah, I mean this um, this makes a lot of edits, and it makes unfortunately it flattens the play to me. You know, I'm not, yeah, and since I'm I've never British. seen the play, I don't know. Yeah, I've never. I seen don't know it. what it's it. really like. It, but but well, I don't know that I probably don't want to yeah. see it because if it's <laughs> three or four hours, if, long, it, if it's like it. this but twice as long, <laughs> yeah, who man, yeah, that's that's yeah. a lot to ask. Yeah, and, and one of the, yeah, you know, once we get down to it, when we get to the battle scenes, one of the only points of comic relief is the guy doing stage Irish, Captain McMorris. <laughs> <coughs> you know, yeah. the the ridiculously, purposefully terrible Irish accent. Yeah, which, oh, God. He's actually, he's, yeah. he, he's, he's supposedly, uh, that character is the first... Uh, because that's how Shakespeare wrote him, mind you. Um, but that's uh, that's how uh, it's supposedly one of the first cases of the stage Irish uh, persona that has uh, how do I uh, degraded <laughs> plagued humanity <laughs> plagued humanity for for the last four hundred years of of the Irish stereotype of of the drunken. I mean, he he doesn't quite make it there on the stereotype end. Just the accent end, but uh, it's but, pretty yeah. close, though. But it's pretty close, uh, and that that is unfortunately one of the few the few uh, comedic aspects at the end. And that's one thing Shakespeare was very good at was he knew he knew that the bulk of his audience was the groundlings, and he knew that he had to keep them happy. And that's why we have all those subtle little jokes, and you know, right? Like, but that the problem is, is that without. Yeah, the but, problem we, is but we don't get we, those. Yeah, we, don't we don't get the jokes. We don't get those jokes. So without without doing what they did at the beginning, with the groundlings showing us when we should be laughing. And, right, and then when you get the cue from somebody laughing, you start to think about what was said, and yeah. then you start to... And that, that triggers in your mind, you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. That yeah. was a joke. But without that, it's just like, oh, here's some more crap I don't understand. Up oh, here it goes. It's keep. It's still going. Oh, and yeah. in scene. It's like, ugh, I can't. No, I can't do it, Adam. There, how many? How many more Shakespeare-related things are on this freaking criteria? I collection? am sure there are quite a few. Oh, uh, I know. Pretty much, the, bulk... do the rest of them have guns in them. No, no. 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 See, I'm not though, interested. Though I would guess that the bulk of Olivier's. Uh... Oh no, that's not even true. Richard the Third, Hamlet, are the only other uh, Laurence Olivier uh, Shakespeare's. Um, but yeah, I, I don't even know how. I don't even know how to go about checking the Criterion Collection for for uh, <laughs> for a writing credit for Shakespeare. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not even worth it. it no. We'll just find them when we get to them because I'll know because I won't understand and I'll be sleeping. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a terrible laugh. But I loved it. Uh, you know, I mean, because, you know, this reminds yeah. me of, like, ah, it pulls me back to, like, high school English class. Yeah. 
like AP English class. Well, if you stuff. if you think this pulls you back to high school English class, wait till the wait, next movie. Two episodes from next, now. Yeah, two, two episodes, episodes from, from now, we get to talk about Lord of the Flies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but no, um, yeah, which will really pull you back. I do want to say, I do want to say that this being Olivier's first film directorship. And him really not wanting to be the director because he looked at like five different guys before finally it looked like he was the only way or he was the only one available. Um, he did a lot because he had he had directed stage plays before and obviously he is, he is a longtime stage and film actor. But he really did it even, even when they're shooting this as a stage play, he's not... He's not shooting it like it's a stage play. He's not directing it like it's a stage play. You know, we've seen we've seen some movies that take cues in their staging from theater. Uh, you know, High right. and Low is one. High and Low that yeah, is a prime scene, example of yeah. Well, it's, the apartment scene. You yeah. mean the first half of the movie? Yes, the first half of the movie. The first forty-five minutes. <laughs> yeah, but that is that is a prime example and an expert example of of. Uh, film right, and if theater. I had seen that in this, it would have helped me just a little bit, not a lot. See, I actually, I actually admire that we don't get a lot of that, and we don't get any of it really. You know, even well, when we're on the stage, you know, until okay, there is a moment where we start to get that because bet- there's there's a sort of segue between that opening uh, and and the uh, and the the tapestry inspired sets in that we, we slowly kind of zoom in and start framing it so that we can no longer see the audience and we no longer hear the audience. Because um, he, he eases us out of that first section. And, right. And he purposely tries to do that. And it doesn't really work for me and you because we're bored by the rest of the movie. Uh, yeah, but, and that's the thing. is like What I'm saying is if, if you had had that sort of... What I'm saying is I want it to be a sitcom. <laughs> I want... I want... I want... I want single camera, like fil- uh, film or stage to film adaptation staging, with yeah. audience background. Okay, okay. I, I say uh, maybe we should because uh, I've never seen a Shakespeare done that way. We should do Shakespeare like that, and not not just not just Shakespeare comedies, but but actually the dramas, the histories too. Yeah, the really really yeah. rough stuff. Yeah. No, I, I I liked I liked that it didn't do that. Because no, it showed right. it showed that Olivier wasn't just set in his ways, you know. He's, well, he's he wasn't just phoning it in. Yeah, him and like, Brana. Oh, I'm just gonna do a. Him and him and Kenneth Branagh are are two of the best Shakespearean actors, and certainly you mean Bruce best. Banner? Yes, Bruce Banner. Because you can't remember names. Um, Kenneth Branagh and and Lawrence Olivier are certainly the best Shakespearean actors of the 20th century. See, I was always under the impression some that Patrick the, Stewart was the greatest. Patrick Stewart is great Patrick Stewart's in the up, world. Patrick Stewart's up there as far as acting goes. But they're, these, those two are definitely the best Shakespearean directors. Um, and I think it, it shows. And maybe maybe I'm just building him up in my mind, and that's why I respect this, because I don't want no, to disparage like, Lawrence Olivier. But, but um, you know. I will say one thing. I do not think that it is him that is the problem. Yeah. In this film, okay? In fact, I do not... I do not... There were redeeming elements of the film. I thought parts of it were quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. Because of the way that transition into, like, from... Like, that transition from stage... Obvious stage show with audience to full-on historical drama. 
was quite smooth and, and very fascinating to watch. Yeah, yeah, it worked. That well. was quite that was quite well done. It's fact, I think it's the source material. Maybe, maybe you for know, me. Some, unfortunately, some Shakespeare doesn't work for everybody, and especially when you start cutting things because inevitably you're cutting the interesting bits to some people, and you're cutting you're definitely cutting the interesting bits to me and you when you start cutting all of the negative aspects of the king. <laughs> right. Because all the want, things that were we want probably that. giving him depth. Yeah. Yeah. Making him exactly. a person. Making him a person instead of this. Because you know what I remember hero. from this? I remember tennis balls. Yes. It's yes. the <laughs> only darn thing I remember which from is a, the which is a entire great, movie. A great joke too. And and interestingly, um I know a lot of people who get really confused by that because they don't realize how old tennis is. <clears throat> really? Yeah. Yeah. Though I I had to research it myself to try and figure out uh, just how old well, tennis was. But tennis tennis is pre Norman invasion. Yeah, yeah. Of France it's... because they brought it over to England during the invasion. Yeah, and that's where you get wonderful things like Wimbledon. Well, as a as a quick little aside, uh, learning about the history of tennis, uh, which which got the got <laughs> this got me to do, um, and the difference between lawn tennis and uh, real tennis, as they call it, um, <clears throat> I really want to start playing real tennis. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a precursor to sort of racquetball. You're you're in a room, uh, but the room on the uh, not on the server side, but on the opposite side, uh, has slits in the wall that you get bonuses if you hit the ball into. Really, that sounds <laughs> awesome. It sounds like something out of like a sci-fi film. Yeah, it's really it's really it's a much more interesting game. Because uh, other than that, it's basically the same game. <laughs> well, see, I only learned about it because um, for to get my master's in uh, English, mm-hmm. I had to learn about the linguistic history of English. Yeah, and it came up that like I ended up watching a couple different documentaries. One was called like The Journey of English, and then I forget what the other one's called, but one of them gets really deep into like the origin of so many words being French and tennis being part of it because like all those words being taken from the french bringing them over to english and mm-hmm. then just butchering that and then the english is butchering the hell out of them yeah uh, yeah yeah so <laughs> all right so if uh, memory serves oh well that's that's enough right. that's enough tennis talk now back that's to the enough. movie <laughs> thank you for doing that in a movie phone voice you're um, welcome <laughs> All right. Press so anyway, for... what I was what I was saying about you know his, his his directorial aspects, you know, he doesn't he doesn't just set the camera up as it were an audience member as as many people filming a stage adaptation might do, um, you know, lesser people. But he the does... thing is, I've never actually seen that. You're right. You're right. When I see in all the time that, I've ever watched Shakespeare, theater, I've never once seen it. I guess, which is why I have this like kind of deep, secret, hidden desire to see that. My sitcom <laughs> version of Shakespeare. Maybe, maybe. You know, he does close-ups, he does inserts, he does voiceovers whenever someone's doing a soliloquy. I've certainly seen people still turn to the camera and do asides. <laughs> you mean do awesome? <laughs> that is... Uh, That's okay. my definition of <laughs> awesome, right, is any time a soliloquy right. addresses the camera. <laughs> The, the purposeful breaking of the fourth wall, you know, which is what yeah. soliloquies were. Which is Shakespeare. Which is yeah. Shakespeare. 
Yeah, well, asides. Asides are that. Asides are Asides, yes. But that's, but that's a purposeful breaking of the fourth wall. Yeah. It's an aside, right? You're going to fill yeah. the audience in on something so that they know yeah. what the deal is. But he did, like, uh, in this we do, like, the soliloquies, the long, single-person speeches are also done, you know, as voiceover instead of as asides. And, you know, in a normal stage play, when someone does a soliloquy, they'll turn full on to the audience as if they are presenting their thoughts. And that, you know, right. that's what a soliloquy is supposed to be for an to a certain extent, you know. But, you know, the long speeches, I think, in this movie, and I segue into that. Um, you know, I mentioned Olivier is certainly one of the one of the best Shakespearean actors of the 20th century. Um, and in that regard, some of the highlights of this movie are, like, the St. Crispin's Day speech and the other, the other times when Henry V is giving... A speech, and and doing that, uh, Olivia is really great at it, <laughs> and really draws you in the way he presents it. Um, I was already asleep at that point, but you were already asleep at that point. <laughs> good, good. I'm very glad that you were asleep at that point. Yeah, um, I read I read a lot about the Saint Crispin's Day speech. Yeah, and I know where it is in the film. Yeah, but I can't honestly say that I was really was still with it at that point. <laughs> well, another like, thing... I remember it, because I heard St. Crispin a yeah. lot. Upon St. Crispin's but, Day. But, like, by that time, man... <laughs> you were out of it. I had drifted way out of it. Like, I do not even remember what I was thinking about. Well, but another... not St. Crispin's Day, that's for sure. Another thing you probably slept through, though, was one of my favorite bits, uh, kind of later in the movie, uh... Where they did the uh, the horse top uh, duel? Oh yes, um, I certainly missed that. Yeah, there was there was sort of a almost a, a joust, but not really. Uh, they were they were fighting with swords on horseback, uh, and it was very impressive uh, because it wasn't you know well they're fighting with swords on horseback. Uh, do I need to define why that was impressive? No, no, you <laughs> don't. No. <laughs> Because it's impressive because that's what they were doing. Right. Um, Add a couple, very, like, machine yeah. guns and some explosions. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was well choreographed. We've got a John was, Woo film. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and that was that was toward the end. But there's there's that, you know, that solid 40 minutes of just the Battle of Agincourt, which, you know, is, is greatly filmed. And the way it's shot, you can tell it influenced Kurosawa and how he filmed battle scenes. And I'm just not interested in it. <laughs> no, uh, one of the only things that got me interested is after, like, during it, I started reading the Wikipedia. Yeah. And I guess they mentioned that you got the 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 um, extras got an extra some amount of money if they brought their own horse. <laughs> yes, yes, I did read that. They made an extra pound a day if they brought their own horse, <laughs> which I think is just. The- <laughs> funniest thing i've ever read i think it would be less funny if it weren't being filmed in ireland uh <laughs> under under british rule <laughs> yeah <laughs> because no. then it just feels like uh that's irish we'll give them we'll we'll throw them a bone <laughs> but, right yeah give them a pound a day for their for yes. their horse the the question is is how much does it keep take how much does it cost to keep a horse circa 1944 in ireland i don't know were they were they actually screwing them over <laughs> maybe maybe uh, 
I don't know. I I assume I assume that the Irish always had horses uh, because cars still haven't made it in the country. Uh, and now I'll disparage Ireland. Um, start talking in McMorris's Irish accent. What was somebody mentioned? Oh, I I lost it. But yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sorry. Perhaps I distracted you. Yeah, stop it. I'm going to. I'm going to. Absolutely. Please. No, it was something about uh, horses. I, I, I don't know. It's a thought I had earlier today, and it's already gone. <laughs> a thought oh, well. you had about horses earlier. Yeah. Was it that uh, horses are pretty? No, no. It was about horses. Who said it? Oh, no, it wasn't a thought I had. I remember, but I've been thinking about it. <laughs> it came, it came from a, one of the movies we're going to watch next. Okay. We talked about what the national animal of Costa Rica will be. Oh, yes. It's the yes. horse. It's the horse. Uh, uh, I, and then I've been thinking about that like all day. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who are not aware, the next film we'll be watching mentions horses at some point. There we go. And we'll tell you about that later. Possibly yes. the next episode. <laughs> Possibly. If you're uh, lucky. You know, since we really don't have anything else to say, I'm going to, I'm going to point out that I'm scared of horses. I, Are you? I have an irrational fear of any mammal larger than me. Like, so a lot of them? A lot of them. Yeah. I just it's not it's not like it's it's not like a stupefying fear. I don't I don't like seize up. Uh I don't I don't have a negative reaction to seeing pictures of horses. But whenever I'm around horses, <laughs> you pee your pants and don't know where you are for three days. <laughs> yes, but whenever I'm around horses or any mammal larger than me, I just get I get really nervous. Um, no, it's understandable. I do too, a little bit. Unrelated, do... a horse once spit in my mouth. Oh, really? Yeah. I f- I used to feed horses when I was a child. Yeah, we used to. Uh, my babysitter used to drive me and my sister out to the f- out to a farm. Yeah. Oh man, this sounds weird. <laughs> And we used to feed crab apples to the horses. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that's how the story. I know. Ended, I thought that I'm was worried. Going to go to a I'm weird worried place. about the pause. Um. Uh, no, I was. I, I added the pause because I was like, "Oh man, yeah. this story is weird sounding." Yeah. Um, one of the things though is you have to feed them with your hand, your with your uh, hand flat, or else it'll bite your fingers off. Yeah. Well, that's. I think. I think part of my part of my fear was that uh, it'll know. bite your fingers off. I know, I know how I would react if something someone tried to feed me or pet my face, um, and I'm okay with <laughs> I'm okay with doing that to a dog because I I feel like I can take a dog because yeah, I'm bigger maybe, than yeah. it. Um, but but with a horse, I feel I feel like if if someone just started patting my nose, I would want to punch them. So I'm kind right, of afraid right. that the horse wants to punch me. You know, I'm doing that to you the next time I see you, Adam. I know you. Are. Um, I know you. Are. So. Uh, Speaking of animals and scary things that happen, yes. um, me and my family went to a Japanese macaque reserve. A macaque being a type of monkey. Okay. Uh, okay. The second most common primate in the world behind us. Um, so, and we accidentally made eye contact with one of them. <laughs> it was the scariest. It was one of the singularly most terrifying experiences in my life. I thought I was going to have to go toe-to-toe with a monkey. <laughs> it, 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 we got to baring teeth and, like, standing on its, like, standing up, trying to make itself bigger. Yeah. Oh, it was intense. Because I wasn't going to break eye contact first. <laughs> you, don't want the, you don't want the macaque to think that you've let it dominate you. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> so I grinned at it, which made things worse. 
Yeah, you showed it's yeah. your teeth. That's terrible. Right. Oh, I know. Oh, I know what grinning means. <laughs> Don't you're think I didn't do that on purpose. You're an anthropologist. I can take you? a macaque. <laughs> the only comes up to well, the only issue is really where the part of my body it comes up to. <laughs> Uh, could be that, could have issues. Um, so yeah, that's been monkey talk time. Hooray! As well as horse talk time. Yes. Man, there's not a lot to say about Henry V, is there? Uh, it, it would seem like there's not. Um, no. Um, well, we got to fill this episode yeah. out, man. We got 15 minutes. Shall I tell more stories? No, no, no. Let's let's say that. Um, well, let's point out. Uh, this was, you know, as we've repeatedly mentioned, uh, Olivier's directorial debut, um, and this was the first Shakespeare movie to make money both in Britain and the U.S. Um, and one of the reasons that no one wanted to do Henry V prior to this, especially as a BBC production... Because uh, it's awful. Not just because it was awful, but because even Romeo and Juliet in 37 didn't make any money. Or in 33, I think. But, you know, <laughs> everyone who had produced Shakespeare prior to this had produced uh, no profits. <laughs> So you know, this it's was a- understandable because, yeah. like, even at that time, I mean, we're only talking about fifty years difference, like sixty something years. Yeah. I mean, they're they still didn't understand, yeah, what was going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not. Yeah, this is just weird. So, by the way, Google searches for Shakespeare's plays that made or Shakespeare films that made money. Yeah, not an effective. Not a not an effective. Uh, an effective search criteria. <laughs> Unfortunate. Yeah, I really want to know. Um, but yeah, no, it's but that, that's what I'm saying is no, they don't make money for the obvious reason they don't make money. Yeah, because people don't like them now. <laughs> well, no, I mean like people, if they're gonna see them, they're gonna see them in a theater. Yeah. Not not a, not not the theater, um, <clears throat> where they will get those cues to say this is something funny just happened. Yeah. Yeah. Or this is something that's interesting. Pay attention to this part. Yeah. Or we get back to the deification of, of Shakespeare, and it's it's a whole bunch of rich people who don't care what they're doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would go watch. You yeah. could tell them. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's just disparage anyone who acts Shakespeare today by by saying yes. things like that. Not so much <laughs> people who act Shakespeare, but people who watch Shakespeare. Yeah. No, You're now, there's all obviously frauds. there's obviously still people <laughs> doing Shakespeare, and doing it very well and doing it worthwhilely, um, worthwhilely. Is that can yeah, I is can that I adverb word? that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, you can well you can adverb whatever the hell you want in English, Adam. <laughs> it's true. I said you it. Know it's a that. word now. <laughs> well, no, it's it, you can verb it too. You can do anything you want. I can do it. I can do it. Um, anyway, uh, what was I? I, I started. I really I had don't a know. point I'm when sorry. I started this section. <laughs> I'm so sorry. All right. Uh, oh, okay. I remember where I was going with this. It ended up this this production ended up being nominated for best picture, best actor, best all kinds of best director. What did um, What did he get? What did he get? It did get? not win. He won he, a special Oscar. Yeah, it was like magical. We made this up for you. It was a magical. Wait. We made this up. At, uh, Academy Oscar. honorary award for his outstanding achievement as actor, producer, and director in bringing Henry V to screen. Yes, that is. You know what that, that sounds like? They're like we did not give you yeah, anything is, for this, but we got to give you something for this. That is the most gratuitous use of the word Belgium in a serious screenplay. That is that is the sort of award he got. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, 
you know, and, and I I guess it's good that they acknowledge that. You know, he's well, like but it's that it's time. that thing is like, yeah, but I don't know. They must have just done it because, oh my god, he did it. Kind of thing. listen, listen. To be sure, I think we can look at the Oscars and realize on their surface that they're masturbatory. Um, well, yeah. So I so know I that I masturbate when I watch them. <laughs> I not, didn't. That's not what you meant. I didn't need to know that, but uh, I might. I might remind you that tomorrow night the Grammys are on. In case you get. Oh, that's not masturbation <laughs> material. <Ugh>. Okay. Grammys <laughs> filth. All right. All right. That's like watching the Peach Bowl's Choice Awards and masturbating. What uh, kind of scum do you take me for? Man, this worst. is the worst, the worst podcast time. we've done. Yeah, probably. Anyway. No, I just don't have anything to add about Henry V. Yeah, it's really, you know, it's, we're in a Beauty and the Beast situation. Beauty and the Beast, at least we started reading too much into it. There's really nothing new to <laughs> That's true. Like, that's the problem. Yeah, the point, the point, the point trying to be made by this one is very straightforward, and we've already covered it. It was, it was a piece of propaganda, you know. It, it was, was, it was propaganda when it was made, and it's propaganda now. Yeah, it was morale boosting. Hey, we're British and we're awesome. This is a story about when we were awesome before, so let's go be <laughs> awesome now. And I understand why. Have they I wanted showed to you my awesomeness? Yeah. I wanted. I understand why they wanted to do that in '44. Britain was not in a very awesome position um, before D-Day. Uh, but, but frankly, this is the British we're talking about. They'd do that even if they weren't in a bad situation. <laughs> Maybe, yes, of course. Hey, I'm yes. talking to you British listeners. That's the, the history of Britain, is always, hey, we're awesome. Let's hey, check British. out how awesome we are. You, you, you're British now too. <laughs> yeah, want to be awesome with us? Too bad, you're not British. <laughs> okay, well, you're not fully British. We're, we're you're the awesome British, British, but you're not British. You're, we're, we're you're not the awesome part of British. You're, you're Commonwealth British. Right. So, British, but not awesome. Yes, British, but not awesome. We're still awesome. You're not. And we'll shoot you if you try to decide against that. Have you seen my rifle? Yes. Well, actually, it's not a rifle. Not yet. Well, no, not at this point. It's it's just a uh, tennis ball. <laughs> and that's how the war was won, with tennis balls. <laughs> with tennis balls. Agincourt, they just started launching tennis balls at all of the French archers, and... Everything. You know what I think the problem with why people don't understand that tennis is that old is because you imagine not it's not the racket the racket's fine yeah it's the fact that the modern tennis ball seems incomprehensible as something being old yeah it's, it's so not. it's so uh, it's so artificial in its yellow yeah fur. exactly yeah and that's yeah. why people can't deal with it yeah exactly it's, like yeah. like we imagine we imagine this box of tennis balls that that King Henry V gets. Being uh, like the, um, what, what's as the this like the iridescent. <laughs> what's that brand that makes tennis balls? I forget they're called uh, Tiffin. Like, yeah. isn't it Tiffin? Like oh, the maybe. tennis ball. I don't, I don't know. think it matters. But like a little tube. Like he opens Pen. the box and it's just a tube of tennis balls. Yeah, Pen he pops is what a I little think. like seal on it. Yeah, like like just a box of Pringles packages. <laughs> just full of tennis balls. So, yeah, I'm sure that's. I mean, and and even I. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and obviously, obviously, that's not what they were or what they were meant to be. Though we never get to see inside the box, so they probably didn't even have tennis balls as part of the production. <laughs> that's the British government for you. P- p- tennis balls were a rare commodity during D Day. Okay. Yeah. Probably. All tennis ball productions were rerouted towards 
militarized tennis balls. Well, to be to be fair, I think most tennis balls were were produced in Vicky, France. So the Germans had uh, had all had the all tennis balls. Actually, I think it's probably a rubber thing. Frankly, I bet You're right. I bet you'd be hard pressed to get eight anything ball. I like I like how we've imagined not uh, we we've imagined that tennis balls were rare and then decided to justify why they would be rare. Well, it <laughs> makes sense though. Everything made yeah. out of rubber during uh during World War 2 was rare. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Damn krauts. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I I'm sorry. Are there any other listeners? Are there any other uh, European countries we should uh, make fun of before we, we finish this have episode? We made fun of the Belgians because we've we've not said we've not said anything about the Italians. Um, no, we haven't. Yeah, but we have armor cord for that. Yeah, most of Eastern Europe we've not covered yet. Uh, yeah, but they're scary. I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> Portugal. Um, Would you like to make fun of Portugal? I can't see. It's, I I can't think. Of, but how I mean, do we tie it back into Henry V? Yeah, I I think we'll have to wait for that to come up organically later. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you got anything else to say about Henry V? I, I really, really I, I really don't. Um, people, if you like Shakespeare, and yeah, the worst go part is, it. I do like Shakespeare, and I I yeah. recognize why this is good. I recognize what <laughs> makes this good. Uh, but like you, it, it it's. But I'm still Again, bored by it. Shakespeare is great in theory. Have we have we had any other movies we've watched so far where where I've recognized that it's a quality work, but still not liked it? I think so. Um, what was it? We've well, Beauty and well, the Beast. Certainly, I think we both recognize no, that. No, no, not not the quality of the not the. And I just I just put this one up online this week because that's how far ahead we're recording. Um, but uh, I recognize that. The Beauty and the Beast was very influential. Was very visually stunning. Um, that their their makeup and their artistic direction was amazing, but the story itself terrible. Uh, so I didn't like the movie, despite so much good about the movie. And I think I think this has a similar, you know, you said it before, but this has a similar feeling to that to me. Visually, this movie is great. They make a lot of great yeah. decisions. Uh, it's acted. By and large, I actually, I feel oh. like, in actually, that's been kind of the story of the Criterion Collection for me. <laughs> There's been a lot of things where I'm like, okay, I really get why this is important. Yeah, but in the actual practice of watching it, it's just it's not working for you. It's yeah, it's just grueling most of the time. It's like, yeah. I okay. I can see why somebody sat down in a theater, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty years ago, and saw it and said. I want to be a filmmaker. Yeah. Because I saw this and this was amazing. But then when you sit down and you're watching it in your living room and you're like, it's a really nice day outside. Hey, is that a bird? I wonder what time it is. <laughs> I wonder what we're going to eat for dinner yeah. tonight. Oh, wait. Henry V just said something. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't end up working out yeah. in practice. And I think uh, we get into something that also I think maybe in the theater... It might have been a slightly different experience. Seeing it with other people? Yes. Again, well, we've had that problem before. Certainly, certainly seeing this one when it originally came out would be a wholly different experience than seeing it now. Not just right. because seeing it with other people in a theater well, I, would make it's a difference, definitely but because 
because of the cultural mentality at the time. You know, this right. being you've produced. got the cultural mentality. Also, I was reading that like <clears throat> because of its Technicolor mm-hmm. and how powerful its Technicolor was. Yeah, it's very. That it I, would I mean, have that's... shocked people a little bit. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't really mention that. Let's let's ruminate on that for a second. Um, it is shot in color in forty four, yes. um, which is is not the norm at that point, and it's, it's Technicolor to, uh, but not techni- not Technicolor to the colorization extent that we get, but still pretty vibrant, pretty pretty out there in a lot of the ways. It's it's color, especially during the parts where. Um, where the backdrop is more tapestry esque. Yeah, you you get yeah. some pretty pretty nice <clears throat> colors. Yeah, and it's they very, work pretty well. It's very I bright think. and and it pops a lot. And I I recognize how that would be impressive too. And obviously, living in a world where color film is the norm, um, I can't I can't see that as as impressive as with I mean, color television is the norm. It's like, you know, at that at that point, anyone watching television wasn't watching color. Uh, color moving images weren't exactly a normal thing around you, right? Um, so yeah, I, I I recognize that, but yeah, I was still bored. Well, and, I mean, yeah, they, and it was like we talked about a little bit. It was a kind of a pretty film. Yeah, yeah. not the prettiest we've seen. Yeah, by any means, I don't think. You um, know, I'm just. Yeah. Ultimately, I think I'm just a groundling. And, you know, what I like about a Shakespeare play are the dick and fart jokes. And there weren't yeah, enough in this one. Yeah, me too. Um, and so maybe what have that we learned me... today? We need we're somebody un... highbrow to join yeah, us on this we're, podcast. We're arguments. uncultured swine. You know, but yes, we already I, knew that. We already knew that. Yeah, I've already, I've already offended several nationalities. Yeah, we knew that. Straight up. That's, you know, and that's why we're doing and this. If, and if, if anybody has listened this far to this <laughs> podcast, they know it too. Yeah, of course. So, well, right. I think that's about it for Henry V. I think that's about it. I need to stop clapping. Every so often, I clap, just kind of. You change. also pound the table sometime. I think. I, I uh, maybe because anyway. I hear a thump, 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 thump. I get. Or you playing bass drum? I I get very emotional. Are you playing bass drum? I'm not playing bass drums. I don't have any bass drums here. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> we are so sorry. Um. For this one, I think I think you really deserve an apology. Uh, yeah, we talked maybe about, you should just skip this one. Oh, we talked too about, late. We talked about my irrational fears. We talked about Pat getting in Monkeys? a fight with a monkey. Uh, we talked about... And despite not having tails, they are still monkeys. Yeah. Which is a rare thing. That's, uh, that's fun to know, Pat. Thank you. Yeah. Well, usually one of the Hallmark... Eh, never mind. <laughs> let's let's not get into what makes him a cock monkey. Okay, I am fine with sure? not knowing that. Are you sure it's not anthropology and paleontology time? I am time? super, super not interested, but let's go. <laughs> All right, that's the end. We're finished. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Next time we're watching a television series, actually, uh, the first uh, that we've experienced on the Criterion Collection, though I don't know if there will be a last. Uh, the 1990... <laughs> yeah, I like how you're like, it's the first, but it's not... It's the first, the, uh, but wait, I have I no idea if there's true. more. Uh, John Laurie's uh, produced... Uh, is it Lurie or Lurie? Lurie? Because it's, it's L-U-R-I-E. I can't say names. We know that. Well, no, but I don't know how to pronounce that name. Is it Lurie? Before, we, like a before we record that ex- episode, if you could look that up and, and correct yeah. me. Uh, John Lurie, uh, Fishing with John, a television series where he goes fishing uh, with Jim Jeremish, uh Tom Waits, and a whole bunch of other people. It's very interesting. Willem Dafoe. Um, 
Yeah, Willem Dafoe's in there. Uh, but it's a, it's a great little Dennis piece, Hopper. and we'll be talking about it next week. So join us, and we actually enjoyed that, I think. Well, I did at least. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's Yeah, don't speak that. for me, Adam. I won't speak for you. Thanks for listening. Pat will speak for himself in the next episode, and we'll see you then. Bye. Yep, see you then. to Lost in Criterion, a production of With Two Brains. The show is hosted by Adam Glass and John Patrick Owatari Dorgan. Jonathan Hape did the music, and Adam Glass also edited it all together. Feel free to contact us by email via lostincriterion at withtwobrains.com or join us on the web at www.lostincriterion.com.